I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? everything I had. You know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him? Do what you do best. Welcome to Smirchpod 3, the podcast that relights the fire of 80s action movies and celebrates the decade where the explosion was king. Was, wasn't it? Huge. King explosion the first. <laughs> this week we'll be donning a pair of tight jeans, shiny sunglasses and investigating a crazed maniac who wants to punish the weak. No, it's not Ian Duncan Smith. It's the Night Slasher. And there's only one man who can stop him. Yes, Cobra. And joining me to find a cure for what ails you is comedy writer Joel Morris, who can be found on Twitter as at Grail Frit. Hello, Joel. Hello. Welcome back. I'm very excited about this. You are, aren't you? Because you, yeah. you, without a moment's... When I told you what I was thinking to, of doing in the third series, you immediately <laughs> went, I want to do Cobra. Yeah, got to do Cobra. <laughs> it's, it's important. <laughs> there aren't enough podcasts about Cobra. Hmm. It's my turn. Yeah. And it's a canon film. Yeah, it's a Golan and Globus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm finding there's a lot of canon films coming up in this series. As you would expect. Cannon. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a funny thing because those kind of films have stopped being made. 
mid-budget but with a big yeah. star. Well, they're going to straight to video now yeah. with people like... Um, Nick Cage is doing a lot of them now. Yes, I suppose he's he's now making canon films. But yeah. it's, it's, it's nice to... Remember, this feels like probably the end of something, mm. taste-wise. This is high 80s camp. Yeah. Uh, but but, then, not that anyone involved in it would think it was remotely camp. Oh, no. No, no, This is deadly serious. He wanted this to be Beverly Hills Cop. Is that the... I, I, Tony Way told me this sort of story about this, and I got slightly confused. Isn't this... He was asked to write Beverly Hills Cop or something? Yes. He wanted to use the novel Fair Game, which he uses in this, to be the basis for Beverly Hills Cop. Right, so this is when Stallone was... was had, he'd won an Oscar for screenwriting, so they trusted him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From the yeah. evidence of this, he shouldn't have won an Oscar for screenwriting. No, no, he shouldn't. But did you know, Joel, that in America... Uh, sorry. <clears throat> in America, there's a burglary every 11 seconds. <laughs> it is the best opening narration. An armed robbery every 65 seconds. <laughs> a violent crime every 25 seconds. <laughs> a murder every 24 minutes. At 250 rapes a day. It's, it's, it's Should have been Jimmy Durante. Well, it's supposed to be this sort of ominous, growly, mm. sort of James Earl Jonesy, Morgan Freeman narration, but he's really inarticulate. Yeah. And you're thinking this might, it's like the Taffin, the Taffin line. It's either take one or take 400 and they've given up. Yeah. But someone's going, can we just have that again? Because it's the first thing everyone's going to hear. And no. No, he just, he just mumbles through it. And he's got. I noticed this. He's got a matchstick in his mouth. All the way through. You don't want to have anything that obstructs his his diction in any other way, but he's going to, I'm going to do the whole thing with a matchstick in my mouth. He um, then fires a bullet directly at the screen. Which is quite sexy. It's quite sexy. I noticed Stallone likes to have his little pre-credit things. Do you remember in Rocky Four when the two American glove and the Russia glove fly at each other and explode? <laughs> He likes to have explosions and gunshots to it's... celebrate the start of a Stallone movie. <laughs> I was trying to think why I like this film. Um, and I, I remember my, my little brother recommended this to me. I had the video game. That's what I knew yeah. at first. It was, yeah. it was a, quite a good spectrum. It was game. good. Yeah, it was quite good. So I sort of knew it. And I knew that it was one of these films, films that was iconic and your friends were talking about it and things. And I saw it. And what fascinated me is that it's, it is the last, it was the same year as Top Gun, I think. Yeah. So it's that thing of there's a real unironic macho to it that now looks ludicrous. That mm. within there, there was a series of off the peg things you could stick together that made something masculine and manly in the 1980s that were unquestioned and now look really daft. And within four or five years, you're going to have sort of grunge and masculinity is going to change and Britpop and it's going to be there's, there's going to be some different stuff. But back then, you could just go to a cupboard and pull out tight jeans, cowboy boots, fast car, gun, a mirrored sunglasses, match, match stick, in, stick the mouth. in the mouth. And apparently that would make you heroic and no one would laugh at you. And it's really funny. It's, it, there are a lot of rock stars around at the same time. It's kind of sort of poodle hair rock and things. And you look mm. at the 80s, one of the things that's funny about the 80s is it's really weird and camp and dandyish and strange. And yet no one thought this was silly. No. And yet, that just from the poster onwards, there was a, there's a great bit. He's always got he's always got these mirrored sunglasses, and they've always got a mountain range reflected in, mm. in them, even if he's indoors. Yeah. Um, there was one. There was a joke done like this. I think it was in the Daredevil, the the Ben Affleck Daredevil film, where someone's got mirrored sunglasses and it reflects DD in flames, and you yeah. realise that that would mean he'd written it back to front. It's yeah. a strange idea that sort of what's reflected in your sunglasses is sometimes mythic and iconic, and it just looks like it's a whole film that looks like the outside of video game box art or the yeah. side of an arcade cabinet, a sort of strange Ghanaian James Bond poster, Bollywood camp masculinity, sort of 
almost as if it's been assembled by an algorithm. A robot has been asked to write a screenplay about men and guns and crime. Well, it's like, it's like, because the poster was very iconic at the time. Yeah. It's like someone's fed that poster into a computer and said, could you write me a film <laughs> based, on, based this on this poster? Well, it's all a Roger Corman thing. Isn't it? He used to get the posters first yeah. and then make the film afterwards. And the whole film feels like someone said, okay, we can do this off the peg. We know what masculinity is. It's Nick Kamen throwing his tight 50s jeans into a laundrette and here's mm. the bits and bobs and here's, we'll have some sort of like uh, Miami Vice soundtrack and it'll all look like a pop video and it's all stuck together but so cynically that no original thought's gone into it and it's got no spark of its own and it's just hilarious. But the baddies in this is, is a cult yeah, led by the Night Slasher and I, I've written that they're kind of like <laughs> dystopian Morris dancers because they start off banging axes together. It's like Stomp have gone rogue. Isn't yeah. It? It's, it's a big... And it's in that Wild Boys... Uh, space like a Duran Duran video they're always in an yeah. industrial space lit from behind Russell Mulcahy kind of thing mm. and they're lit from behind and they're clanking things together and it's a strange we, when we did Touch of Cloth with Charlie Brooker the second Touch of Cloth he wanted to do this trope of the wild gang mm. he had loved a film called Stone Cold that he yes. was obsessed by which is very similar thing. there's a wild gang and they're, sort of, they're rampaging through and civilised America is, is cowering but women with baby Baby carriages and shopping trolleys are cowering from people who are smashing up America, the nice bit of America. And they're sort of wild, Mad Max type of a gang. And we sort of try to transplant that over to Britain. And we don't do that over here. The closest no. we've got is Morris dancers. We don't have that thing where, where a gang will come in. And, and watching this for the first time, being a bit sociological, I thought this is a myth that's been remembered in America from uh, 1950s westerns. Yeah. The idea is the Indians will ride into town and they'll smash everything up. And what you're saying there is they'll ask for America back. What America's worried about in its heart, what it's defending itself against with all those guns, is that they took that country from some whooping people who'd ride into town and they're still scared. They've got a, like a, 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 real, a real memory, a guilt memory, that someone's going to come in going, woo, 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 and the wild people will take America back. And Hence the village people. Yeah, that's why they're frightened, why the power of the village people. Yeah. That some of them might be camp as well, as really frightening. I don't know if you know this, but you can't stop the music. You can't, I, can I just use, can I just quote John Luke Roberts' brilliant joke? Mm. How did the village people meet when they lived such different lives? <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, apparently turned up, stole, uh, borrowed on the... Uh, the last leg, wasn't a it? Board. Oh, I think, I don't know if it was last leg, I think it was just on a board at... Um, West Hampshire Tube Station. Maybe oh, no, it was a Tube Station. Sorry, I'm used to last leg. Nicky, <laughs> it no, it wasn't them. It was, no. Uh, but I like the fact it's entered our culture. It's such a good joke. The, the, one of the iconic lines in this film arrives in the, one of the first scenes as well, because a man, how we know he's a bad guy, because yeah. he parks in a dis disabled place. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he arrives at a supermarket to, I don't know what his plan is. He takes everyone not, hostage. It's not very clear all the way through. He what shoots the, plan the man is. who tries to run off. Yeah, but he hasn't killed anyone by that point. It's got real evidence. It's a very, very short film. It's 80 minutes long. Very tight, 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though it is does remain the longest, shortest film I've ever sat through. It does feel, you keep going, this is sagging. Uh, but the, apparently the director's cut was really, really long and had loads of other stuff in it which would have made it unbearable. But oddly, taking it down to that lean length, keeping it pacey, means that it doesn't make any sense because mm -hmm. you don't know what the gang are after. They're after a new world order. It, it's a lone psycho movie like Dirty Harry, but yep. they've said it would be better if there were loads of them. And funnily enough, the policeman in this yeah, is the guy who played Scorpio in Dirty Harry. It's a couple of Dirty Harry cast members. It's got a real sort of Death Wish, Eastwood, third yeah. generation. It's like a cargo cult. People have broken open a, a crate of old Eastwood and Bronson movies and said, mm. we can make that again. Mm. But it, it's now got to a point where all the iconic scenes are strung together, but they make no sense. But it makes no sense because the police surround the supermarket and then one of them turns to the other one and says, call the Cobra. Yeah, 
it's it's that classic American thing of going. Mm. It's a one man army mm. because it's, it's directed by the man who did Rambo, isn't it? George P. Cosmatos, who traditionally is kind of Stallone's puppet. <laughs> right. So it means that Stallone directs it really. Okay. Well, it's it's that there's a, it's got a Rambo thing of saying we've got the army, but we'll that lovely thing Steven Seagal said in one in, in one of his movies. We've tried it your way. We'll try it my way. And you do that as early as possible. You don't mm-hmm. try it their way. You just the, the lone guy. You just call comes, the cobra. The maverick comes and call the cobra. And he's obviously he says call the cobra to a man who's evil because he's got glasses. He's got glasses and he wants to do things legally by the, by book. the book. And like have things like judges in prison. Yeah, and due, due process, due yeah. process, as which, they call it. Which is all the way through is, is set up as the most ludicrous thing you could ever want. It, he's set up, he's got glasses, and you notice there's, there's a clear moral thing in this film where if you're wearing sunglasses, you're a goodie. Mm. If you're wearing ordinary glasses, you're the forces of reading and liberalism and things. Bureaucracy. And, and there's a bit where the killer puts on glasses mm. and becomes more evil. Does his disguise makes him double evil? But yeah, glasses are bad. They get crushed a lot. But when Cobra turns up, I don't know if you noticed this, and this this builds on my theory that Cobra is the Alan Partridge of police <laughs> yes. because he's got a car registration that says Awesome Fifty. He's got branded guns that have got pictures of Cobras on them. He wears driving gloves. He chews a matchstick. <laughs> he is Alan Partridge. It's, it's an Alan Partridge screenplay. But also, if you notice, his car looks like a motorised hippo. Yeah. <laughs> it's this little grey, low thing. It looks like it's kind of like a little robot Toby Jones. It's got little yeah. sort of round eyes. And <laughs> robot it, Toby Jones. All, and it poodles up, and it's like a jelly mould-shaped car. Mm. And I think it's it's meant to be really cool. But you go, it looks a bit like its morse has gone bad. It's like a classic car. Would it surprise you to know that's Stallone's car? No, not at all. No. <laughs> It's, it's also got brilliantly one of the car chases. It's got a button marked nitrous. Yeah. And I wasn't quite paying attention as it went past in a fast car. And I thought it said Waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was pushing a button to have some, like, I don't know, some quinoa deliver quick cardo That wouldn't surprise me in this film, though. <laughs> oh, it's all very um, lifestyle. It was 80s lifestyle. The button delivers Waitrose. <laughs> I'd like a car button. We well, can get them on Amazon. Um, you know, Amazon does that thing where it says, here's a button and you can press it when you want things sent to right. you. And because I buy James Bond things, yeah. I've noticed it's suddenly given me a button that says 007. And I'm thinking, Ooh. if I press that, does Timothy Dalton come to my house? <laughs> Would that happen? Well, it's got... It's got... <laughs> what they, could they possibly send me? But there's, there's a button fetish. Mm. In, in these things, isn't there? So yeah. like, it, it's, again, what's funny about it is watching it maybe a few years later, unironic, hope, hopefully, it was made unironically, I hope. It's made heroically. He's about to hear Oh, yeah, yeah. Very, very straight back. And now you look at it and go, this is the kind of stuff that not only men, but that kind of man, that kind of rugged individual who wears sausage deodorant by uh, by, by, by Johnny Depp, that idea, the kind of guy who GQ is advertising to, yeah. who want to be James Bond. And it's really funny watching masculinity from, like, a foot away. And you go, I like this. I like this film. It's exciting. But I go, I feel such a prat mm. to be the target market for this who thinks that I want this jelly mould car with a, with a waitress button in it. And a registration that says awesome, awesome 50. 50. <laughs> Wouldn't you pull up and they just go, prick. It's- yeah. <laughs> And at this point, I'd like someone to just to explain to me why one bloke in a car that's a jelly mould yeah. is better than sending in a whole team of SWAT guys. Yeah, it's not it's not clear as well. They never make clear what because he's he's supposed to be part of the zombie squad, mm. and they say this thing go they do the jobs no one wants to do. And you went what be a lone hero in a fast car? Everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to do it, that. You think that the zombie squad would be the guys like Will Ferrell and the other guys, the paperwork people or Money Penny? They never explain what the zombie squad is. Do no, they? they don't. But it's supposed to be the guys who sort of you call in when you can't get anyone else, and you're thinking, well, it appears to be. 
someone who you call in if you want to if you want to kill a criminal without without any due process. Yes. And somehow get away with it because you've got a matchstick in your mouth. And so you can because what he does is he goes in the supermarket and he kills the man. Yeah. Who's been shooting the watermelons like in the jerk? Like he yes. uses these hands. <laughs> he goes in and he shoots up all the vegetables. Because there's, there's a big war going on in Cobra between healthy eating and unhealthy eating. Represented. It's a lot of fat shaming. There's lots of it, but also sugar shaming. And, mm. but, and yet the only thing you ever see, Cobra keeps going, you should eat all this sugar, you could eat healthy, eat healthy. And all you mm. ever see him is cutting a pizza up with scissors and eating it. And then he opens what you think is going to be a box of eggs and it's just full of gun parts. The, so he eats gun parts and cuts up pizza with scissors and he's the health giving guy. The pizza bit's fucking demented. It's really he's got a big pair of shears and it reminded me of if you watch Queer Eye for the straight guy and the food guy never gets to do anything in that because American food is just dreadful so he suggests well if you want to diet you should maybe use more spray cheese mm. and you, you don't have salad it's not a thing and it's really weird watching an American macho film where they've decided one of the jokes is going to be he's a healthy eating guy and his partner is the schlub like the classic cop thing mm. but if he if he ate salad or the quiche de cabernet mm. he would be emasculated so you see him going eat healthily and they're just eating cold pizza out of a, out of a box but he snips off the crust so does that make him healthy he just to stop his hair curling that's true oh, that must that's be true that. yeah. but he delivers the line when he's confronting with the guy in the supermarket yeah. that's on the poster <laughs> I got a bomb here. I'll kill her. I'll blow this whole place up. Go ahead. I don't shock her. Hey, just relax, amigo. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. I don't want to talk to you. Now you bring in the television cameras in here now. Come on, bring it in. Can't do that. Why? I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I ain't no psycho, man. I'm a hero. You're looking at a fucking hunter. I'm a hero of the new world. You're a disease, and I'm the cure. Die! He also, there's one good line there in the supermarket thing because the guy goes, I'm going to blow this place, guy, I've got a bomb. And he says, I don't care, I don't shop here. Mm. And he thinks, that's a great line. He mm. delivers it brilliantly. And it's yeah. a tiny flash of how cool this film would be if it was a Bruce Willis movie or something. Yeah. That's a great shame. It is a <laughs> great shame. Don't put the good line in. It's going to show, show the rest up. But he also, in his flat as well, he has a telescope, which always makes me think someone's a pervert. <laughs> Well, actually, there's a really strange way it's directed is that they keep building up this stuff to go, uh, there's all this crime or whatever. There's big speeches and things and lots of people in silhouette. And you keep thinking it's all leading towards it turning out that Cobra's a pervert and a serial killer. Mm. It keeps cutting between people saying he's the worst guy in the world and then a shot and you go, are they going to reveal that he's the murderer because you don't know who it is? That would be a much better film. Because all the way through it, he is a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what the zombie squad is. It's the police's special elite department of murderers. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it's the murder squad. No the mur- shit, the wrong ones. Yeah. They are generating their own their own leads, <laughs> just killing everybody. Yeah, starting the crimes. Yeah, it's not clear. They're improving the crime figures <laughs> by pushing them up as high as possible. Um, but the nice slasher, in the meantime, is going around, and his mo is that he is just murdering people with axes. Yeah, weak people. We should we say? I there's a sort of fast. It's really weird because it's got that garbled eighties power Nietzschean thing that goes on where where they're trying to stop people and they know that the baddies generally are a bit Hitlery. 
So they sort of say, well, they should be about the weak and the strong because that feels like the baddies. We know they're they're the baddies from the Second World War. They're the they're the Nazis, mm. uh, and yet because they don't like due process and sort of liberals and lily liberals, the hero is often slightly dirty Harry and a bit Nietzschean as well. And they go, that's that great thing. Where he goes, we we put them away and the judges let them out. Mm. It's the kind of thing going, well, well, when they finish their sentence, because that's how law works. Yeah. But they're constantly going, my will should be the ultimate. So weirdly, the, the baddie and the goodie have exactly the same philosophy, that the weak should be destroyed. But you're meant to root for the one with the matchstick in his mouth. That's how he clearly... And the one with the awesome number plate, that's how you know he's And the tight one. buns. Very tight buns. Very he's, tight he's, buns. He's in very good shape, isn't he? He... Like a, like a dancer. He shriveled in the mid-80s. Because he was all pumped up. All pumped up. Even in Rocky Three, still quite big. But when you get to this point... Like this in Rocky shaped. Four, he just shrinks into this tiny, tight muscle. Yes, he just looks <laughs> looks like a little dancer. Yeah, he does. Wayne sleeps figure. He does. But um, um, Bridget Nielsen is driving home one evening. Yeah, and she sees the night slasher. Yeah, post killing someone. So she's a witness. Now so she's, she's a wanted. witness. She's a witness, but she's also she's a witness stroke model. Yeah, she's a double threat. She is a double threat, and she does. They have the best. I think the best because it's, it's made. There's chunks where it just stops being a film and becomes a pop video. Yeah, and the modelling sequence where she's having her photo taken yeah. with a load of robots with, in her with white Wil- with Wilf Lunn. <laughs> basically, like, he's built loads of robots for her. Yeah. And she's on a white cycler armour full of robots, yeah. all made of sparklers and cogs. Yeah, and she dances with them. And if you sort of came in at that point, you'd go, "This is a really weird episode of Buck Rogers in the 25th century." Well, this is again Stallone making me think that Stallone's directed this because in Rocky Four, there's a whole sequence where. There's loads of sequences where he's just decided to make a montage and put a song he likes in it. Yeah. And that's what this is. This is her having a photo shoot with a song about it's hot in the city or something. Yeah, they're, they're all made... All Angel the, of the city. All the songs as well. It feels like this is something... When you say there's algorithm things on on um, on Twitter, where they say, I fed in a, a neural net or every episode of Buffy and this is what came out. This feels like you've fed in all the other action movies and you go... So that so that nothing actually means anything. All the songs are about it being hot in the city and and, mm. and the sweat on my back and it's proper yacht rock power ballads. It's the same soundtrack. I think I found out that one of the songs that's on the Transformers movie, uh, on the Stan Bush numbers, was written yeah. for this. And it's just off the pair. You got the touch. It, which is a terrific yeah. piece of 80s power ballad if you're into 80s power ballads. Mm. It's all off the peg... Uh, the heat is on style stuff. And it's been built from bits of other people's films. I always enjoy that Dirk Diggler in Boogie Nights, one of the songs he sings when he's going into the studio to make his album is You Got the Touch. <laughs> I he? always really enjoy that, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really nice little joke. Dirk Diggler demo. Keep the vocals up. You Got the Touch, take seven. Excuse me, Reed. You Got the Touch. Fantastic for the for the eleven people who went to the Transformers movie. Yeah, I wanted to know why one of the robots in her photo shoot isn't the robot from Rocky Four. Yes, it should it be. should have been. He's, he's, you might, there's no way that Stallone didn't take that robot home. Did you know what happened to that robot after Rocky Four? Did it have another film of itself? Of he its went own? on tour with James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Support act. I think he just brought was, it out on stage. Was he the sex machine that he oh, felt I like? I suppose he was. <laughs> I suppose he was, even though Paulie had sex with it. Uh, but yeah, James Brown took on tour because James Brown sang "Living in America" in Rocky Four, right. so I guess it's on brand. I don't know. Well, got, maybe maybe it was just fr- full of cocaine, like a salt and pepper <laughs> shaker. 
they just tipped it up and cocaine came out of it. <laughs> I imagine that's, again, how the, the, the beat sheet of this film was worked out, was mainly on cocaine. Oh, of course. It's a very... Uh, it does, it's got a lot more in common with 80s rock than almost with 80s cinema. Yes. It does feel like a big, over-the-top MTV LA power ballad. Yeah. Which is, I think, why it probably is still... There's something oddly charming about it because it is so ham-fisted and you look at it and go, wow, we took that seriously. And it's it's at the very end. Oddly, it's made of the same bits as Top Gun mm-hmm. and Top Gun remains sort of fairly watchable and, and but this is just ludicrous. Yes, it is. Uh, but the, when, when she's finished with her photo shoot, she goes to the car park with her photographer, who is a well-known actor. Yes. Who is, I can't remember his name right now, but I was reading that his, he had loads of other scenes that were cut. Yeah, you get the feeling that the stuff that was cut when they got this down to the, the tight 85 minutes <laughs> yeah. would, would be things that Sylvester Sloan was not in. Mm. Imagine the cut was done quite heavily to go, just fast forward through, if my face isn't on screen, that's on the cutting room floor, yeah. and we'll put some mumbly dialogue over to, to cover where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but they tried to kill Bridget Nielsen. They killed the photographer and a security guard, but she manages to get away. Yeah. And it turns out that one of the Night Slasher's gang is helping him is a policewoman. Yes, there's there's a sort of shit betrayal plot that you get. Mm. I got the feeling that, that was probably the bit from the book because it requires a bit in it where a goodie is also a baddie. Feels so quite complicated. It's also a bit Magnum Force, isn't it? It's very yeah, dirty, it, Harry. It, it's 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 kind of, again. It's an off the peg thing. I mean, a couple of the reviews I read of this said just said this is an assemblage of tropes, and it's odd to sort of think when, especially because we're sort of so enthralled to like save the cat storytelling and the idea that you should assemble your piece. Using what's been learned from other films, that this is a perfect example of what happens if you add nothing to it. You just go, I will take completely on the surface. All the bits that have to be in this film are played out mechanically, and it ends up hilarious, but sort of it lacks anything because it's borrowed all its police bits. It's all second hand. It is a, oh, yeah. it is a yeah. cut and shut movie made of second hand parts. But I'd like to know why a film that's so heavily cut leaves in a sequence where. Cobra and his partner are talking about cakes and cheese. Yeah, there's, there's, there's bits... Oh, I imagine it's been left in because Stallone's on screen. Yeah. Hey, Tony, you hungry? What do you got? I got something that looks like cheese. No, 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 there's some cake over there. No, take, take the cheese. What? I the cheese. I saw some cake. Oh, yeah. You're done with this, aren't you? Yes. Thanks, lad. I did the cake with say there's a, there's a good bit where they try and ID the uh, the suspect. She's she's a witness, and they get a police uh, like a, an ID sketch artist in, yeah. and he draws John Bishop. He does draw John Bishop. <laughs> it's quite, he yeah. and he just goes, "That's a picture of John Bishop. Let's just go and arrest John Bishop." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things where you go back in time to kill Hitler. <laughs> this is a film where you go back to stop the career of John Bishop. That's by, not by, such a it's not such a crime though, is it? <laughs> by planting not a time crime at all. No. But yes, you plant the picture of John Bishop in the film Cobra. And then Marion Cabretti kills him. Yeah. Uh, but Cobra goes home to check uh, the photo fit against his files. He's got a police computer at home. Yeah. Um, and it's like Blade Runner. This is, this is him watching Blade Runner and going, I want a scene like that. Well, he's got lots of high-tech things. He builds, a, he builds a gun, doesn't he? He builds like a, 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 an amazing super gun mm. that's got like lasers and things on it. He's sort of very gadgety. Laser sight. Yeah. Laser sight, which obviously is brilliant because it gives away where he is in dark places. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is crucial if you're a super cop. Because you want to know where the bullets are going, though, don't you? <laughs> yeah, who knows? He keeps, he keeps using it in daylight as well, which is a waste of time. But yeah. he's, sort of, he's got this gadgety thing of, again, it's, it's the FHM GQ thing of saying what men want to watch is a film in which someone is judge, jury and executioner has loads of gadgets and a, and a flash car and, and is going out with a model. And it's just, 
it's the least it's the it's the most red letter day for it's it reminded me of my wife once saw um a corporate do it was raining and these corporate people had hired one of those tables with wheels that you cycle and it was like a whole department okay. of some firm were cycling a table in the rain round the city of london while women in crop tops gave them cocktails and the thing was playing the top gear theme <laughs> and it was God. like it was like just a vision of what what tick box masculine hell was yeah this feels like a top gear red letter day mm. you get to be cobra actually i would do that i'd, I'd go on a top gear red letter day where i got to be cobra mm. as long as i got the matchstick and the and the glasses I think you'd look pretty good as Cobra. I think I could pull it off. I reckon mm. this is my fancy dress for Halloween, sort it out. Mm-hmm. Crime is the disease. I'm the cure. That's right. <laughs> Bridget Nielsen's been taken to hospital because she got slightly injured. Yeah. But she's under police protection. Yes. But the night slasher has arrived at the hospital with a cunning disguise. How's he disguised? He's dyed his hair black <laughs> and put on some glasses. He looks like Austin Tasseltine. Yes, he looks he does. exactly like Chris Morris's Austin Tasseltine. He He's does. Come in. Disguised as a, also, I love it when when they do this in in movies because this is a film that doesn't like intellectuals and liberals and oh, no. college boys and and the the pen pushes the city hall. It's one of those movies, and so he puts on the glasses and looks like a prick. Mm. They don't like they fit him. There's, there's an idea there are people who can wear glasses and people who can't wear glasses, and the you can see something's wrong with him because he's a non glasses person. He's a mur- tough murderer, but he's wearing glasses. Mm. There's a bit really early on where where you see Cobra pick up a newspaper and you think he might read it because he might have some clues in it because he's supposed to be a policeman or detective. Mm. And he puts the, the, the newspaper in a barbecue on mm. his roof and instead of reading it, he it's like he's storing his back issues in a barbecue. Or he's either saying that they go, it's not worth reading this, I'll set fire to it. And then you're thinking he'll set fire to it and he doesn't. He's just storing newspapers in an outdoor barbecue <laughs> under a lid in case the pigeons get to it. It's he's an weird. eccentric man. But he's got. it almost sort of says, this is this is worthless, I don't read. And it's mm-hmm. just that kind of thing. Go with it. So the, the Night Slasher, to do his worst crimes, dresses up as one of those people, dresses up as a reader. You see, the thing is, I would argue, why bother wearing a disguise at all if you're just <laughs> going to murder everybody that walks past you? <laughs> yes, actually, and also, very much well, the main plot is he's only got one witness, which yeah. is Bridgette Nielsen. And they keep going... She saw your face. Well, if he was in a disguise, it wouldn't matter. Mm. And also, yes, his plan appears to be anyone near me, I kill and make dead. That's fine. He goes into the hospital and he murders every single person that walks past him. It's a bit like mustard gas wearing a disguise. It's like it's an indiscriminate killer. Yeah. It doesn't have to leave no clues. It's mm. the perfect crime. I blew everyone up. They're putting, they're putting a, like a beard and glasses on the Hiroshima bomb and then dropping it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, um, what I would like to say, though, is that Cobra, going back to his house, he wears the gloves and boots. <laughs> and dark uh, glasses. Indoors, yeah, and then the glasses, yeah. And outside his window is a giant Pepsi sign. Yeah, oh, product. So it's no wonder he's gone insane. <laughs> Just the, the, the it glass. reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where they get Kenny Rogers' chicken outside <laughs> Kramer's window, and it drives them insane because there's that constant red glow. I mean, this is product placement heavy. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's a lot of things in the supermarket. There's Coke that, and Pepsi in this. And 7-Up, and it's yeah. all full screen. And then there's a bit where he, to show it, because it's a Christmas movie. Mm. I got really excited. I'd forgotten it's a Christmas I've forgotten it's a Christmas movie too, so yeah. So this is in with Die Hard. If you want to watch a Christmas action movie, you can watch Cobra. But there's a bit where he sits down to, to sort of double emphasise that it's Christmas. What's on his TV when he sits down isn't a news report. It's a Toys R Us advert yeah. to buy your toys at Toys R Us that Christmas that would have been in a film that would have gone out at Christmas. They, they play the whole advert. Yeah. Oh, God, and then the, the news report afterwards, I wrote down because it's, you know, when the people get the typefaces wrong on the front of newspapers. Yeah. Uh, and it just jars it out. And sometimes people can't write the language of a news report. 
And Stallone's version of a news report is so fantastic. And it says, The man known as the Night Slasher has struck for the 16th time in just over a month's time. So the two times, what, is he going to do it in a month's time? <laughs> One of those times could have come out. And then she says he, he appears to be indiscriminate in his victims. They include businessmen, Asian immigrants, the elderly, and in one case, a sexually assaulted child. Tonight, the man known as the Night Slasher has apparently struck for the 16th time in just over a month's time. The 22-year-old victim was mutilated with a sharp instrument and seemed to be just as unlikely a victim as the other 15. Not much else is known other than that the Night Slasher preys upon anyone. His victims have included businessmen, Asian immigrants, the elderly, and in one case, a sexually assaulted child. What? That list I didn't of even notice that last it's line. It's amazing. And in one instance, a sexually assaulted child. Well, that's, that's everybody. Mm. The elderly and a sexually assaulted child. I lo- yeah, I like as well that the, the, the child was... Was the child sexually assaulted during the, the attack? Or is it just a kid with a tragic backstory? <laughs> That Don't kid's had him. terrible luck. Yeah, exactly. Him and the Asian immigrants and the businessmen. But yeah, it's, it's a lovely... It's a news report written like when a kid at school is said, can you write in different styles and now do now show you can do a news report. Mm. It's that. It's, it's a lovely... It's got the feeling in places, this film, of when they do a thing for a YouTube video where children write a James Bond film and then they act it out or, or a tense family breakup scene. It's like it's been written by five-year-olds. It's the kids from Super 8. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. This would be brilliant if it was those kids who made Red the Lost. Or Art. the guy from Rushmore. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. It feels like that. It's it's an eighties action movie made by children. Mm. But Cobra gets a call from his partner to say Gonzalez. That, um, Gonzalez. Gonzalez, who's got the hat? He's got the hat. Yeah, he was in Dirty Harry as well, wasn't he? Are they the two Dirty Harry guys? I think yeah. he was in Dirty Harry. I might be wrong. But he's he's the guy who eats too much sugar, who yes. disapproves of. Because what he should do is eat scissored pizza. Scissored pizza. And an egg box full of gum bars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but anyway, he gets a call to say, uh, what did you want? I'm in your office. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, I got a message saying you wanted to meet me in your office. No, I didn't. It's going to be a trick. So it? he rushes, Cobra rushes back in his jelly mould. <laughs> To the hospital. <laughs> Motorised hippo at full speed. <laughs> it's Toby Jones' car. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it is, it's, they wanted a tie-in car. And it's a bit like, no one He-Man, it was all the excess cars from, uh, excess models from, from uh, Conan the Barbarian. Yes, yes, yeah. This was, they were going to do a film called, <laughs> called Hippo Man. Hippopotamus <laughs> Man. And this is the Hippopotamus Man Mobile. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they had loads of excess cars and they thought, well, if Cobra didn't get an 18 certificate, which obviously it was trying not to, it could be for kids. And they could buy the Hippopotamus this is good uh, but, um, so the Night Slasher tries to attack Bridget Nielsen but is disturbed by Cobra arriving yeah I, I'm, he runs. I'm, I'm annoyed that Bridget Nielsen doesn't have the robots from the from the, the video shoot to defend her they should have been her be guards that would be a really good scene stop attacking Bridget <laughs> Nielsen stop what is love? Yeah, and then it could have been a bit more Terminator and it would be really good. Because that, really that's good. one of the films they haven't cannibalised to put bits in. No, they haven't, have they? <laughs> they left that one well alone. There's a lot they have. Uh, but Cobra thinks at this point that there's someone working on the inside. Yes, which will be... I think it's... I can't remember who it was who said this. It might have been Sarah Morgan come up with a brilliant phrase. There are type 1s and type 2s in films. Type 1s are women that people who make films want to sleep with. Mm. And type 2s are women that people who make films don't want to sleep with. And you can tell how someone's story is going to go immediately by saying whether they're a type 1 or a type 2. And the woman on the inside is definitely a type 2. Definitely. She is not someone who is front and centre as a trophy or victim. Uh, so therefore, she will have plot. 
which means that you know immediately she's going to be the person who's the inside mole. Yeah, she's not. There's someone, no reason. She's not someone Sylvester Sloan would want to have sex with. Yes, exactly. So therefore she must be up to no good. Absolutely. And absolutely. the simplicity of that, the, the sort of really basic primary colour building blocks of that are, is quite uh, exciting. But Cabretti's pulled in by his bosses yeah. and told, do you know you have an attitude problem? And he says, yeah, but just a little one. Just a little one. He's just, you know, he's, he's he doesn't care. He's Maverick. Yeah, no, actually, I think of all the Maverick cops I've ever seen, he's the Maverickist. I think if you gave him a rule book... Do you know what he'd do with it? What would he do? I don't know. I think what he'd do is he'd try and throw it somewhere. Really? Do you reckon? Yeah. Or he'd uh, try and stick it up somewhere. Uh, I think that those are his two options. If you were doing the Choose Your Own Adventure Cobra book, <laughs> those would be the two options. To stick it where the sun don't shine. Turn you know, Bear Grylls has got a Choose Your Own Adventure series. I know, I've played it on the TV. My it, kids are obsessed with it. We call it Kill Bear Grylls. <laughs> and the thing that's really annoying is it's got a Netflix budget and they've done all the different spurs. You can choose to stay out overnight or go into the Bear's Cave. Mm. But they've got a Netflix budget and they haven't done CGI deaths. No, that's right, think, yeah. He just goes, well, I think a bear's going to be in there. I think I'll go home. And he goes, no, do the prosthetics, kill Bear Grylls. I'm <laughs> my wife keeps pushing buttons to make him fall through the ice. Yeah. And we don't have a scene where he's under ice. and Just, yeah. just do the whole thing. Absolutely. When you played Dragon's Lair, the best bit was watching Dirk the Daring fall into things. Turn into a skeleton. Spine. Yeah. <laughs> Bear Grylls should turn into a skeleton yeah. if you push the right <laughs> buttons. Yeah, because my son watched one where he was trying to get a rattlesnake and I was like, why didn't why it bite him in the arse? Yeah. Or in the cock? <laughs> I, I reckon they'll, they'll work this out eventually. But yeah, it's, it's on that sort of Bandersnatch engine they've got. Yeah. It's, it's actually really good fun, but I think yeah. that everyone is trying to kill him. And you should be able to see that. Or at least an animated version of it. If Bear Grylls didn't want to do it because he thought it was unchristian, he could do an animator at CGI Bear Grylls. He drinks piss. How's that unchristian? I don't know. Does he, is it his own piss? Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Then, yeah, it? he's not in those kind of films. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't sneak around <laughs> men's laboratories <laughs> lapping the piss off the Orion. Although I found out yesterday by watching a documentary about the Unibomber. Yeah. Uh, firstly, I found out why he's called the Unibomber. Don't know. Because he attacked universities and airports. So the UNA. Oh, bomber. is that the A? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, that he would travel for miles to go to public toilets at bus stations to pick up hairs from the floors and oh. put them inside the bomb. So when they went off and found the hairs, they oh would get, get sent on wild goose chases. It wasn't like that, wasn't like the equivalent of like putting like a shitty stick. I don't know the shit. So they go, people at the bomb squad got you touched pubes. And it was like, it was a big tease to go, you touched pissy pubes. I don't think it was that, no. no right, okay, Although fine. he did do that. It was so he that the police would find these hairs and get sent on. It was, he was weir side jacking them. I just loved it. Weir side pubes. The police being covered in piss. Pubes. Ah, oh, it burns. I got pissy pubes on me. Yeah, no, that's that. Bear grills would be like, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Um, so they decide that uh, Cobra and everybody decides it's best to take her to a safe house. There's a discussion saying about whether she should be, whether she is the, uh, the primary victim, the witness and the primary victim. Weirdly, mm. describing it quite quickly makes this film like, sound like it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really follow this. Now, now I'm following the story. But they sort of say, uh, he suggests, Cobra suggests taking her out of the city. And the guy with glasses, the strategic pen pusher, goes, taking the witness to safety is the most stupid thing you could do. Here's where all the police are, which is one mm. of the worst arguments I've ever heard. Mm. Where, where would you take someone to safety? You keep them right where the killer's doing all his killings. That's, yeah. that's where you want to leave them. You know, he just broke into hospital and killed loads of people. Let's keep her there. Yeah. As close to the site as possible. That's the safest place. Well, he's a bureaucrat, Joel, what, and he what, knows nothing. What's the, what, the element of surprise is delivering the witness to the villain's lair. It's the last thing they'll be expecting. <laughs> Absolutely.
all of television history is contained in the Box of Delights. I've climbed up Nelson's column once before. These are small. And put it down in front of Backpuss. I'm Julia Rayside. Join me and my guests as we dip into our favourite TV memories. Boys mustn't hesitate bashing my head like this. You can't tell me what to do. You ain't my mother. I love when a plan comes together. Come and tell us what yours are too. We've all been told we can't discuss nominations. It's a bit of car here. Shut up with a novel on the top. I think I like you, Lovejoy. Find us on Twitter at Box Delights Pod and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Great big owl. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, but while he's taking Bridget Nielsen away, we get a car chase where his jelly mould gets chased by loads of bad guys. It's a good car chase. It's though. good. And he gets to use the nitro, which is clearly he's watched, because we know this about Stallone. He is a cultural vampire. Yeah. The beginning of Tango and Cash, he stole directly from a Jackie Chan movie. Right. Uh, with the bullets and the people coming through the windscreen. Right. Uh, and he's obviously watched Mad Max. Yes. And thought, I'd like the nitro bit for Mad Max, please. But it's, it's a really good car chase. They do mm. little versions of the... There's a bit where they're going over these little humpback bridges over the canals that's really mm. bullet and there's sparks all flying up and things. It's yeah. bit, and the stunt work's brilliant. It's as good as you'd expect. And I watched this as a nine or ten-year-old and when he turned the nitro on, I was like, yes! Yeah, he's got a Bond gadget in the car. This it, bit, it serves you, no purpose. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense. There's yeah. no clear jeopardy. And apparently, again, it's been edited. So within an inch of its life, I was reading up the, the different edits and there's a bit... He ends up... The, the climactic bit of this enormous car chase is he drives into the back of a boat like a twat. Mm. And apparently that isn't how it was originally edited. They, they pieced that together to try and finish the car chase because they were trying to cut half an hour out of the film. And but he ends the most unheroic way possible, just driving into the back of a boat. He does go, Ooh, as he yeah. does it. I like it. He's got a lot of that stuff that, that The Rock's very good at, that when you're driving a vehicle and you strain, the mm. vehicle goes faster because the engine's linked to your muscles. Mm. I quite like that as a, as a propulsion method. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. drives past a turnpike which is manned by a Father Christmas. Does he? A little little reminder that it's, that it's a festive thing. Because obviously it's bright sunshine. There's no Christmas mm. stuff in this. It's, this, it's, a, it's a warning. It doesn't about snow warming. in LA, yeah, does yeah. it? It's that, yeah. yeah. But he drives, so he smashes through a turnpike and the turnpike is manned by a Father Christmas who waves his fist. And he's thinking... That's a nice little touch. That's nice. a good image. I like that. Father mm. Christmas's turnpike. Smash it through. The nice actually should be dressed as Santa. That would have been a good thing. It should have yeah. been a Christmassy thing. Like yeah. Jingle All the Way. Yeah. <laughs> it should be revealed that Father Christmas is the killer. Yeah. It's a 15 or 18 certificate. Kids aren't going to see it. It's fine. He also does a brilliant thing where he, he spins the car 180 so he can fire his gun yes. at the baddies. And he does a 180 thing. A J-turn, I believe it's called. It was, that's really cool. Yep. And he spins it back. But then you realise he's in the car with Bridget Nielsen. 
and that either of those jobs could have been handed to a woman, mm. either the driving or the shooting. But there's no way in a film like this that the woman will be either given the gun or the wheel. So she sits there while he does two impossible things, mm. and she just sits there passively. And he goes, it's Red Sonja, she could have done something. She could have done. And I always want to go on to record now and say that women are equally as good as men. At shooting or driving. Exactly. But except in this film where they are literally just uh, meeting the car. But she was, it, was, it, was a really, it was a really heroic moment, and you went, actually, weirdly, if you're writing that, the first thing you think is, hang on, there's another person in the car. Because the only reason he does it is it looks amazing, but it's because he's got two jobs to do. Mm. What it is, it's a rare example of a man multitasking in a film. Yeah. So it shows he's in touch with his feminine side. I like to think that George Miller watched this bit and thought, I'm yeah. going to write Fury Road now. I think it inspired it. But it is good. Actually, I'd say this is... The, if you're going to if you're going to watch Cobra, it's not a very long film. If you're going to watch Cobra, watch the beginning, the supermarket shootout, because it's hilarious. And mm. it's a great example of over-the-top 80s action cinema that makes no sense. And this car chase is great. Yeah. Really, really good fun. I'm afraid that after this, it falls <laughs> down a hill rather yeah. quickly. I'm afraid they've, they've, they've really spunked their wad by this point, haven't they? Yeah. So they decide to go uh, on a... This is when they go on the road trip to the um, safe house. Yes, which is a nice farm. Yeah. They go to the farm. It's nice. They do. And they also stop at a restaurant and he, again, fat shames... Um, Gonzalez. Gonzalez. And also has a go with... Um, Bridget Nielsen for putting ketchup on loads of ketchup on her chips. He's just constantly shaming people's choices. But what's happened, if you notice as well, is that she eats a lot of the shit that Gonzalez eats, mm. and she's also just got a Gonzalez hat. Yeah, they both have the same hat now. She's turning into him. Yeah, I think it's like a single white female thing where she loves Gonzalez, <laughs> or she wants to be. She's realised that Gonzalez is Cobra's friend. Yeah, and she thinks the easiest way to get in bed with Gonzalez because this is a film where it's not a very sexy film. No, for an eighteen, a fifteen certificate film, it's about buddies and things. So they, the way you get into you get to sleep or to be a partner of Cobra wouldn't be to do any sexy women stuff. It would be to be as good as his man friend. Yeah. So she puts on the man friend's hat and eats the man friend's sugary stuff. Because the, the, they do say that the, better, the quickest way to get to a Cobra's heart <laughs> is to let him shame you about your f- about ketchup. eating habits. Quantity of ketchup, yeah. Because he says, um, do you want a life preserver? Because <laughs> you're drowning in their chips, the fries are drowning in the ketchup. Yeah. It's, it's Once again, every time he does one of those quips, you're reminded of the I don't shop here line at the beginning. Yeah. If he hadn't done it well once, I wouldn't even think he was capable of it. He also fonzies the jukebox. He does. Actually, it's very, there's a line where he says, which uh, is a very good of its timeline, where Gonzalez says he may look like a 50s throwback. And you remember that strange thing that happened in the mid to late 80s where the 50s became the coolest thing. All the yeah. Wrigley's adverts and the Levi's adverts. There's always a 30-year gap for people done culture. Yeah, and they went mad for the 50s, and the idea was that everyone would be some kind of, even down to sort of Wild at Heart with the 50s jacket and things. Mm-hmm. There's a thing, that if you're going to be cool, you're Elvis cool. And he's got this thing, and I, I didn't even notice he was being a 50s throwback. I suppose it's a 50s car and things. Yeah. But he's he's kind of like like a, a psychopathic fonz throughout it. Yeah, he Psycho is. Fonds. And that when he's not policing, he's probably working as a lookalike yeah. for happy days. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's it's a mixture of fat shaming and incredibly fascistic attitudes towards the institutions of law, because that's what they do the driving thing. And, and and she said, "What are you going to do?" And he goes, "Well, the problem is when I when I arrest these people, they go to the court, and the court lets them out again after they've served the sentence they were given by the system of law we have in this country." Mm. Uh, and what's good because he said that you go, "Well, he just kills people," mm. and that means that. As you build up towards the end and you go, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to take the, the baddie? The big, the big dilemma is, will he learn? Will he change his character? And you go, well, he's not because his, his job is just to shoot baddies. And he also, in a proper NRA way, knows who the baddies are mm. straight away. And if he kills someone, they were definitely guilty. Yeah. Which is good to know that he's in charge. Yeah, he's judge, jury and executioner. And he, this is before he's even judge dread. 
That's true. Yeah. Hello. 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 He doesn't like the law. The law's. He must have hated saying that in Judge Dredd because he doesn't like the law gets in the way of the killing. That's a disappointing film, isn't it? I went to see it four times at the cinema. Did you? Because I really liked 2000 AD and I thought I went to see it at the cinema because the good bits of it were 2000 AD on the screen and the bad bits of it I pretended hadn't happened. Uh, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. And I really loved Dread when it came out. That was absolutely superb film. And that was kind of making up for it. But the Danny Cannon Judge Dread, there's, there's a, enough good scenes in it that feel like people didn't like it because it's a bit um, more Flash Gordon-y camp. Uh, Dina Dina that everyone wanted to be hard and sort of Clint Eastwood and a bit cobery, but actually I quite like the comic book, the British comic bookness of bits of it. I, the I, naffness is actually quite fun. I didn't mind that. I minded that he removed his helmet about yeah. five minutes in and then didn't put it on again. That's what's going to happen anyway, isn't it? So you can't really make. Well, that you money. say that, but then Carl Urban didn't take it off once. I think that's the thing is you've hired Carl Urban, you see, rather than Stallone. You, ha- you, you there, have. There, there's, yeah, that, you... there's that old thing where people always insist that massive stars be in things. Yeah. They, they think, oh, this is a good property, so it deserves a massive star. And you go, well, no, get, get a lesser star in. I'd introduce you to unknown actor Christopher Reeve. Or ditto, we were saying, uh, there's a lovely variety headline saying, uh, Branagh Carter Unknowns in Thor, which is Chris Hemsworth yeah. and Tom uh, Hiddleston. And mm. you go, well, that film would have been rubbish with big, big famous stars in it. Marvel's yeah. always done indie actors and then made them into superheroes. And Donna was told to get Nick Nolte or Robert Redford for Superman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Christopher, you want to put people... This is, again, one of the other things that this is interesting as is what happens when it's a star vehicle, that 80s hyper star thing where if you've made Rambo and Rocky, you can do what you like. And this is a film where he really needs to be collaborating with someone, I think, because, I mean, I, I don't know, I've got a funny relationship with Stallone, and he's clearly not brilliant, but he's a good action hero, and in the right vehicle... He's quite fun. He's great in Copland. He's really good. He is. He's clearly a talented writer, a talented director and a talented actor. He just doesn't combine them very often. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I don't mind him in the middle of a big action movie. He clearly can hold it. Rocky is a beautifully written film. Yeah, and there's a simplicity and then there's you you over sorry, you underrate how good a simple film can be. And this is this is potentially a good simple goodies and baddies cop western that would be quite fun but actually it needed someone to give it a little polish I think and the first Expendables film that he directed is really is that pretty good it's not a great film but it's well directed it's got yeah. some nice little flourishes in it yeah it's not so he, he, he knows what he's doing anyway Cobra and Bridget Nielsen have a chat and he tells her that not many people can put up with the way I live yeah it's a stark warning there I cut off pizzas <laughs> have you seen the fa- yeah, the, the uh, fact that I keep my newspapers in the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> he also um, bullies his neighbours. Mm. There's that guy who's parked slightly into his space. Yeah, is that, that's outside his house, the, the Latino guy. Mm. And he bumps him. And then afterwards he takes, he rips his shirt off. He says, clean up your act. Yeah, and rips his shirt. And you're thinking that the number of things, what's great is the number of things that he does that are crimes. The, the number of times he like punches people, you go, that's assault. That's crime. He's one of those policemen who, who who chooses which crimes he's allowed to do. Yeah. And usually in a movie, those crimes are, are done at the moment where there's no other choice. But he does regularly minor crimes because he fancies it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the um, what we should have said as well is that they've, they've gone down to the safe house as a foursome. So there's Cobra, Bridget Nielsen, Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Yeah. and the lady policeman who's one of the Night Stalkers. Yes, exactly. So she's, she's in their gang. And while they're all chilling out and about to go to bed, she's making a phone call. To tell the Night Stalker and his friends where they're going. They've made they've made the safe house unsafe mm-hmm. by including one of the murderous Axe Morris men gang. Yeah, which is the worst. That's the thing basic you can do. mistake. Yeah, <laughs> but first rule of policing. It is. 
Um, but Cobra catches her coming back from making the phone call and suspects that something's going to happen. So when he goes back to his chalet, here, luckily for us, he's brought along a small arsenal. Yeah, and a laser sight. Yeah, he's he's and she's. There's a great thing where she's not sleeping and he's not sleeping because one of the things heroes do in these films is they don't sleep on the night before the big fight because they're awake building their weapons. That's it, yeah. And the woman who's usually not even under the covers goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm building my weapons. He goes, can't you sleep? And she goes, no. And he says brilliantly, you should. Mm. And I think he's full of, he's basically, he's constantly giving health advice to people and they're not following it because yeah. he, sta- he stayed awake all night and just ate. All I've seen him eat so far is a corner of pizza cut with some big scissors. Yeah. And he keeps telling people about their diets and he goes, well, just, just have a sandwich. Mm. That's why he looks so small. Mm. There's nothing of him. And he's not sleeping properly. But they then make love to the soothing sounds of Joe Cocker. <laughs> it really is a film full of full of wild fantasies. It is. But we've all shared. We've all wanted to make love to Joe Cocker. Not to Joe Cocker, but near, to him singing. Not now he's dead. That would be horrendous. Mm. <laughs> um, but I would have put an emotion of no confidence in the leader of the Night Slayers because all this effort for one girl. Yeah, I think their plan... I mean, there are Bond films with really bad baddies' plans. Yeah. I think the Night Slashers, as a gang, who are doing sort of gang stuff but getting mistaken for one man, which is a really odd central idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cobra keeps saying, I think it's more than one man. That's right, yeah. But the whole point of one of these big gangs that run in town smash everything up is you can tell they're a big gang. The idea of, of gang disguise... What they should do is disguise themselves as a single person by all getting in a big coat. <laughs> But they don't make any effort to disguise their numbers. This 19-foot guy came into town and smashed everything up. They don't ride side by side to disguise their numbers or anything. They don't do any of the strategies you do to mistake. And I'm not sure what mistaking themselves for a single serial killer gets them. No. Bearing in mind that they're supposed to be creating a new... It's very rare for a single murderer to start a new world order. It tends to be like massive gangs. Well, they're making a franchise, aren't they? Like Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. He's he's getting more than one knife stalker to, you know, get as much work done as possible. Yeah, I suppose it's it's all Adam Smith. It's the division of labour. You can do a lot more murders this way. But all the police keep going, it's we know it's one guy, we know it's one guy and Cobra goes, I think it's more more guys than that. And at that point, whenever they do that that scene, you think, is he gonna say there's evidence? And he goes, No, I just got a feeling. Yeah. That's really he's rather he's 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 as bad a detective as uh, Detective Pikachu. Did you see Detective Pete? No, I've been told he doesn't do much detecting. No, he doesn't. No, there you go. Uh, so the next morning arrives. Stallone and Bridget Nielsen wake up. They go outside. Gonzalez is there. But Lady Policeman, she gone. Yeah. So that's when they know something's up. It's, it's, it's immediately suspicious because a key member of their team, probably the heart of their team, mm. a woman who he doesn't want to have sex with, yeah. has vanished. Has vanished and she was so important to... Yeah. The dynamic. We're following her all the way through. I feel, I feel the black of her. It's, it's, yeah. That's sort of. I wonder if, if, if we'd seen her more than four times. If, if she'd only thought of having more scenes in this where she was standing next to Stallone, her story may have built somehow. But yeah, she, she hit the cutting. What you should evidently. do is, if you're going to make a film of Stallone, is always make sure you're standing next to him or, or riding on his back, <laughs> <laughs> or dressed as a horse. Yeah, and he can ride you around. <laughs> Or be, be in his pocket. Yeah, like James Bolam <laughs> in Grandpa in My Pocket. <laughs> yeah. da, 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 da. He lives in Sunny Sands. You know, this was, original, this was Stallone's original script for Grandpa in My Pocket, but he rewrote it to put more night slashes in. That's good, because Miss Smiley has got a cake shop where she makes the best cakes in the world. Too much sugar, man. Too much sugar. He, Miss Smiley would hate Cobra. Yeah, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be ruining her business. And James Bolam would as well, because he, he secretly hates everybody. <laughs> That's why that programme's so disturbing, because he's smiling all the way through it. 
Yeah. It's, it's like you, he's about to turn the gun on everybody. <laughs> you know what's going on inside the boiling rage. <laughs> James <inside>. Bolum. <laughs> I, I want to talk about the gun foley in this, because I don't know if you noticed, but every time Stallone uses a gun, it sounds like he's shooting a Spitfire. <laughs> really? It's like... They are the biggest... Yeah, it's a really... I have watched this on headphones, and it's got a brilliantly noisy, again, vulgar cocaine 80 soundtrack. Mm. It's thundering. The, the, every punch is huge and every gunshot is enormous. It's it's, it's vulgar uh, in that lovely mid-80s way. But there's a massive It's chase. like Def Leppard's drum sound. It is. This is basically hysteria done as a film. Played with one arm. Yeah. Was that before or after the accident? I can't remember. Mysterious after the accident because it's synth drum triggers. And he had to have a custom drum kit made for he him. He did. He did. Good for him. Yeah. Good for the band for sticking with him as well. Yes, exactly. They didn't have That's to. That's sort of one point in their column. I saw them live once and they had lasers and it was really exciting. Did they? The lasers drew pictures. Did it look like they're bit an alien when they go and find the eggs? It was like that. It was through wow. smoke. It was quite... It was a proper rock show. It was really fun. There you go. That's my Was it like story. McCartney's rock show? It was exactly like McCartney would imagine, but it was really mm. big. It was really big and fun. They had big pop choruses, and that's a good thing to get in a big stage. Did they it? sing "Let's Get Rocked"? It was before "Let's Get Rocked." I think it was a prime hysteria period. It was it was right at their pomp. Hey Joel, I suppose a rock's out of the question. It would have been because yeah. I was quite young. Yeah, I mean awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they have this big chase. He gets in the back of a pickup truck with his machine gun. Yeah. Shoots bikers every five seconds before. Gonzalez gets shot. That is another great sequence that is like a video game. It yeah. has the cause and effect of a video game. It's, and it's Operation got, Wolf. Yeah, it, it felt like, again, it's an arcade cabinet of a game. It, it's, there's, there's grenades and, there's, and there's, there's quite a lot. Apparently it was cut a lot because the actual deaths were really, really brutal originally. Yeah. But everyone's on fire and there's no explosion without someone flying out of it. It's like a properly... Uh, it feels a bit like the A-Team where, where every time there's an explosion people jump and they fly, but they're mm. all on fire and in pain. So it's like, you wonder whether there's a version of this film that would have been great for kids, like a good sort of fun kids version. But he's tried to make it really gritty and adult, and actually it's too dumb for that thing. Release the Stallone cut. Yeah, well, apparently it doesn't exist. No one said there's some... Apparently fans have been looking for it, but I don't know who's enough of a Cobra fan to be looking for it. Trump? Probably. Actually, this is exactly the kind of thing that he would watch on Air Force One and do that thing that is in the, the, the... Trump and Me book, where he fast-forwards through Jean-Claude Van Damme films just to the fights. It's a very See, Trump film. He's a man of spared heart, though. <laughs> yeah, that actually, the same. I must admit, I did uh, did not listen when Bridget Nielsen and uh, and Sylvester Stallone were having a chat about feelings. I went, he's going to shoot some people off a motorbike in a minute, so I can probably make a cup of tea See, You bit. are as bad as Donald Trump. I am basically new Trump. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but they get to, like, a, a steel foundry. Oh, God, this is the most 80s ending. Absolutely. Your last fight has to happen in a building where they manufacture fire. Yeah. And it's not clear, because they go in there and there's one security guard who gets shot quite early on. Yeah. And it's otherwise it's uninhabited. There's no workers in there. But it's all on and running, and there are machines that appear to make fun. It's a baddie processing factory. There's no actual function to the machines. It's the fog mines. Yeah, it's just... As Paul Litchfield pointed out in The Running Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's going to somewhere that makes... Uh, it, it, it tends to make things that are hireable from a camera hire company. Yeah. Like fire bars, fog. Uh, they, they, they run Sky through. Sky hooks. Yeah, and they, they run. Where's that hook going? It appears to be going to a. It just a, goes in a circuit. And, and also going to an arga where you can cook 
criminals. But there's also a thing <laughs> where I think Bridget Nielsen runs down a corridor that's got loads of blowtorches on. Yeah. You know, at what point in the factory would you need a corridor that had fire and steam? April Fool's. <laughs> it's, the, it's the tartan hammer thing. First yeah. day in that foundry, they go go and go down the the corridor, the the, the flame corridor. But it's full of that. It's, it's just this really strange thing that. There's an attempt to make it look like a blue-collar working space. Like, the guy in the, the, the security guy's got a Garfield poster up. I like to see Garfield in it. It was nice that it was a Garfield movie, little guest star. Yeah. Um, and it feels like a real place. They've At least he wasn't it. a murderer, like, you know, I think you should leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mean I've been sharing a Garfield hot tub with a murderer? <laughs> I think it would be great if they found out that Garfield did it at the end of it. I hate Mondays. I was waiting for that. I that hate be, Mondays. That would have been great. Uh, but yeah, so it, it always looks real. And then you realise that the factory just makes uh, either makes either crime or fire. Or I, I'd it, like it to think endings. it makes fire because then you can have that scene from The Simpsons. You're like, if you, if you know a better way to make fire, I'd like to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, long story short, TLDR. Yeah. Uh, him and the Night Stalker have a mano a mano well, before battle. Well, before then, he has set someone on fire. Oh, yeah. Using a match, which I then noticed. I noticed for the first time, my brain had always said, having seen this ages ago, he's got the match in his mouth at the beginning. You go, well, Chekhov's rules, the match is going to go off in the Chekhov's last act. Match, yeah. Chekhov's match, he's going to use it. And he does use it, but in the final fight, it's not in his mouth. Mm. And you're thinking, it should have been a thing that he's always got a match in his mouth. So at the end, he could spit the match onto the guy who's covered in petrol and go frying tonight or whatever. Mm. But he doesn't. He just gets the match out and he does it on his gun, a thing he's never done before. Mm. And if you've got a signature move as a stupid strong, silent hero, have matching stupid... It's it's that thing of going, I want this film to be dumb, but weirdly it didn't do the one dumb thing it should have done, which yeah. is it should have been that match from his mouth. Anyway, stupid. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but they have a very boring fight, if I'm honest. Very boring. And in, in the end, he he picks up the Night Stalker and sticks him onto the revolving Hook that goes hook. to the toaster. Right through the back, though. Yeah. It's that and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Every time I think of hooks, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's a sharp hook and he's lifted up. Yeah, and he gets put through the Arga. Yeah. It's more like a, actually, it's more like a flame grill. Yeah. It's like one of the things they, they have in, in Costa to put your panini in. And he comes out as a whopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the, we then cut to the thing that you have in action movies where it's like after the event, the police have all turned up. Yeah. People have got blankets on them sitting on the steps of an ambulance. Yeah. And um, Stallone's nemesis turns up. Yeah, yeah. Glasses, glasses man, man. Clever and man. And says, you know what? You did a good job. Yeah. But you killed loads of people. You could have done it without the killing. That's right. Stallone's like, oh, right. And then does that thing where he then thumps him. Shakes his hand, then thumps him. Yeah. And everyone laughs. Because the police, one thing that happens to the police, if they see an assault, an unmotivated assault, they laugh. Mm. That's, that's well known. If you do that outside a pub, the police will just laugh. And then Stallone grabs Bridget Nielsen and they get on a Harley, a hog. Yeah, he said, do you want your car back? He says, I want you to repair my car. There isn't the budget for that. Don't worry, I've got a Harley. I think it might be the Night Stalker's Harley. I think it might be. So basically, he's won a bike. Yeah. That's quite nice. Like a, like a raffle. Or a bullseye contestant. Or a bullseye contestant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. get into a speedboat and yeah. piss off. And they get on the motorbike and they drive and they kiss and Stallone smiles for the first time in the entire film. And his face falls off. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end. And he's a robot. And there's loads of, yeah. Heavy would explain metal. it if he was a robot. If he was one of the robots. If, if it fell off and he was one of the robots from Bridget Nielsen's <laughs> Cyclorama of Technology, that would yeah. be amazing. And if all along, it was me. Operated by Wilf Lund. <laughs> <laughs> like an egg drops out of his mouth. Little <laughs> bike wheels inside. It's really charming. And there's a sound of a chicken. And it's, that's the end. And they open it up and in the ribcage is a chicken. Yeah. It's laying eggs. I think that's one of the scenes that hit the cutting room floor. I think you're right. The clucking room floor. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's 85, 85 solid minutes of, of classic storytelling. Sol- soulless minutes? It's quite procedural. I like it. I, I This and Tango and Cash are my Stallone guilty pleasures. I really like them. I think, again, whenever I'm being rude about films, uh, and I think how many times I've seen them, I've seen this film loads. I don't mind watching it. It's fun. And the bits it does well, the bits it's borrowed from other films that it does really, really well are as much fun as watching them in any other film. And it's it's a lovely distillation of that preposterous 80s macho. Mm. And you go, if you're going to watch one of those, then what? I like this. There's a couple of Steven Seagal films I feel the same way about. Like, Which like, one's like uh, Nico? I like On Deadly Ground is a really stupid one because it's got environmental... Michael Caine's a villain. Yeah, I quite like that. I'm a Texan. Oh, billionaire. I, I'm a big fan of that. I've seen that loads. And that's a very bad film that I've seen loads because I just find it enjoyable. I like Mark for Death because you could watch that in Predator 2 as a double bill because the baddies are both Yardies. <laughs> They're both Jamaican. Hey, man. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what you want. <laughs> Yardie baddies. There's also oh. one, there's a, there's a Seagal one where uh, he shoots someone in the leg with a shotgun and the bottom of his leg drops off. <laughs> and it's always quite funny to watch that. It literally just falls to the side. <laughs> <laughs> Classy films. Yeah. Is, uh, so we've reached, the end of, we've reached the end of Cobra. Yay. And take long. we're now going to go to a quick fire question round. Yes, go. All right. So, Joel, who, in your opinion, was the best, Arnie or Sly? I think it's Arnie, because I think Arnie's, Arnie's comebacks have been good. As in, not his, not his I'll be back comebacks, yeah, but as in, when he comes back, uh, it's always fun to see what he's doing now. And he's, he's tried more things. He's very limited range, but enormous charisma. He's a good film star. Stallone's good, but Arnie's a proper. He fills the screen. And even in a bad film, I quite enjoy watching Arnie. I agree. Uh, what's the best, in your opinion, action movie of all time? Uh, it's going to be either Raiders of the Lost Ark or I'm going to say, th- uh, I was about to say 39 Steps, I think, which is the same film. I've got. I'm a big fan of of that little runner film, Thirty Nine Steps, and North by Northwest, and Red the Lost Ark, which said it's just a sequence of what are the best set pieces you can do in a row, and then join them together, and then probably the next one after that I thought was brilliant was was Born Identity, mm. which is a secret, just a load of really good action sequences stuck in a row. What you should get from a good action movie is just loads of action, and then someone really clever makes it feel like a, a Heath Robinson machine like a domino topple, that there's mm. nothing... That when the ludicrous thing happens, it was absolutely inevitable. And I love the art of that, I think, is underappreciated in writing because when you see it done badly, yeah. when suddenly they're on a bike and you don't know why, just because there was a bike available, you can really tell. And I think that there's a craft in those. Yeah, I, li- I like good domino topple action movies. Okay, yeah, terrorists have taken over a skyscraper. You can take three celebrities with you to stop them. <laughs> Who are you taking up the shard and why? <laughs> um, uh, the Jam. The jam. <laughs> I mean, they come in a threesome. They've, That's good. They, they've got a working relationship. It's a bit sparky. Mm. Uh, one of them's Dennis Waterman. He's in the Sweeney. He's quite tough. Yeah. Uh, one of them's uh, dispensable, isn't he? Yeah. Basically, yeah. I, th- I think. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Bruce Foxton is is basically he's the one who will probably be found uh, in the bottom of a lift shaft, and that will motivate them to get up to the top. Mm. And Weller, I think, is uh, is a very good songwriter when he was young. Yeah. Which would be useful. <laughs> very useful against terrorists. <laughs> Uh, if you can go back in time and stop someone being born, who would it be? And much like Desert Island Discs, I'm giving you Hitler. <laughs> I always get given Hitler. Um, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner? He should never have been born. Why? It should have been Matt Damon. Oh, uh-huh. that's very see, good. See that's, that's very that? clever. 
Uh, you uh, say. Oh, oh, it's an action movie answer as well. That's good, isn't it? That is yeah, good. So. I thought you were just being malicious towards Jeremy. Towards Jeremy no, I, 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 well, I was very much After watching him. Endgame. I was enjoying him in the Endgame. Were you? Smashing. I, I'm a big fan of Jeremy. Did you like his haircut? His haircut is ludicrous, but then he's playing that kind of a character who'd have a stupid haircut. But I liked the opening with him and um, Linda Cardellini. Oh, yeah. Very good. I like Linda Cardellini. I like them as a couple. She should be in more things. She's fucking brilliant. I'm a big fan of her. Like Freaks and Geeks. She's wonderful. She does the voice of the cool girl in Gravity Falls as well. Yes, oh, she's just really good. She's in cool things and she's obviously mm. very, very pretty. Mm. Also, I think she's rather good. Uh, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Rocky Balboa and John Matrix from Commando. Who wins? <laughs> it's I think it's going to be Rocky Balboa because I think John Matrix is too busy strapping things on mm. and Rocky gets the first punch in. Just He's he's kneeling down, putting on webbing and he's mm. just a punch to the head and falls unconscious straight away. He was very good at knocking people out. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's a straight knockout while he's webbing up. And finally, if you had to make your own 80s action movie, what would it be about and who would be the lead and what would it be called? Uh, I'm going to go... I've answered this question about Bond before, but I'm going to do Indiana Jones and the Witch. <laughs> And it's gonna have it'll have Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, right? And it's gonna have instead of like having a a, a wife or a, a, it's gonna have his have his uncle. He's gonna uh-huh. be paired up with his uncle, who's uh, just drunk, uh-huh. and they go after a witch. Because the rule is with Indiana Jones, which everyone got wrong with uh, Crystal Skull, is anything can happen in Indiana Jones as long as it could be in the Osborne Book of the Unknown or Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. That's the rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got witches. In it. So basically, basically, when he finds her, she's in a bottle. She's really easy to fight. And that's the end. Because Bill Nye is uh, uncle. Yeah, Bill Nye is drunk uncle yeah. who does lots of comic business and pisses himself <laughs> all the way through it. And at the end of it, they fight a witch in a bottle. I when, like you really, that. when you open the bottle, the witch comes out. She's enormous. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Who would play the witch? Uh, that would be played by uh, uh, Brendan O'Carroll. Brendan O'Carroll, in full Mrs. Brown's gear. That sounds amazing. And, and presumably, Indiana Jones would be in his eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so no, it would be like an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys. Actually, what we should, do, we should do one where he's got his grandson with him. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. Who could be his grandson? His someone grandson. cool like Zac Efron. Yeah, but, or, or possibly, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking someone, maybe uh, his grandson could be Seth Rogen, because that's literally how old he is. Yeah. Basically, an adult man could be his grandson. Yes, that's right. Yeah. His grandson is Roger, is the ghost of Roger Moore. <laughs> No, I'm trying to think. His grandson, his grandson is now played by uh, George Lazenby. George Lazenby. Yeah. So his grandson is an adult, elderly man. <laughs> right. Just to drive the point home. Well, because if you... they made it in 2019, you mean? Yeah, I'm just saying they've, they've got to just, they've got to, they've got to make it. It's an 80s action movie, but they're making it now. Right. And basically Harrison Ford should stop making these films. Yes. And they should do that by shaming him, by casting him with, with quite an old man as his mm. grandson. And they should make him fight a witch slowly. Well, because he's had Sean Connery as his dad, so yeah. only follows that George Lazenby should be his grandson. We want the rest of the bombs in. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, actually, Daniel Craig is his grandson. Well, they did the that with Cowboys and Aliens. It didn't did work they? out very no, well. I didn't see that. He wasn't his grandson, though. Damn. Joel Morris, thank you very much well, what a for pleasure. coming in to talk about Cobra. That was fantastic. Crime is the disease. We are the cure. <laughs> are we? What, yeah. what songs are we going to do? We're going to do Spider... What's that one about the Spider-Man's coming to eat <laughs> me for one. dinner? That one. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on stage The Cure with their hit single. The one about spiders. Spider-Man's coming to eat me for dinner. Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. Coming to eat me for dinner. <laughs> Goodbye.
Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. That's right, BBC One's flagship early evening fluff cast doesn't get the in-depth chewing over it deserves. Until now, welcome then to The The One Show Show, where we treat the Matt Baker, Alex Jones vehicle with the level of sophisticated examination one would ordinarily reserve for the likes of The Wire. It's very sad that it's come to this, isn't it, Sandy? Fuck the casual viewer, The Wire's creator David Simon once said. See, I'd get angry, but I wouldn't say anything. I'd keep it inside, which is bad for you, apparently. Committed viewing requires commitment, and that is what we're bringing to that programme where every now and again, Giles Brandreth will visit a factory to see how paint is made. He always delivers the... Well, I mean... A barn owl and a marsh harrier. On each The The One Show show, I'll be joined by a guest destroyer of worlds. What did you learn from this week's The One Show? The presenter, Angelica Bell, can't swim. (laughs) It's disarray. The baby's on the floor. Alex Jones sniffed a bandage to see if she could smell Parkinson's disease on it. It's not great. Uh, (laughs) And with that, good night. Down in the hole. Great Big Owl. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.